Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about pediatric sepsis. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com slash sepsis or in the infectious diseases section of the Zero to Finals pediatrics book. So let's get straight into it. Sepsis is a syndrome that occurs when an infection causes the child to become systemically unwell. It's a result of a severe systemic inflammatory response. Sepsis is a life-threatening condition and there should be a low threshold for treating suspected sepsis. Recognition of a child with sepsis is essential. The younger the child, the less specific and obvious the symptoms of sepsis can be. It's important to make a judgment about a child's risk of sepsis based on their presentation and make decisions about starting antibiotics. This is a frequent task in general practice, emergency medicine and paediatrics. Sepsis is a medical emergency and should be managed alongside experienced paediatricians and according to local guidelines. The information here is for educational purposes only and is not to be used as a guideline or a basis for decision making. Let's talk about the pathophysiology. The causative pathogens are recognised by macrophages, lymphocytes and mast cells. These cells release vast amounts of cytokines, such as interleukins and tumor necrosis factor, to alert the immune system to the invader. These cytokines activate other parts of the immune system. This immune system activation leads to further release of chemicals such as nitrous oxide, which causes vasodilation. The immune response creates inflammation throughout the body. Many of these cytokines cause the endothelial lining of blood vessels to become more permeable. This causes fluid to leak out of the blood into the extravascular space, leading to edema and a reduction in intravascular volume. The edema around blood vessels creates a space between the blood and the tissues which reduces the amount of oxygen that reaches the tissues, leading to tissue hypoxia. Activation of the coagulation system leads to deposition of fibrin throughout the circulation, which further compromises the organ and the tissue perfusion. This also leads to consumption of platelets and other clotting factors, as they're being used up to form blood clots. This leads to thrombocytopenia, hemorrhages, and an inability to form clots and stop bleeding. And this is called disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, or DIC. Blood lactate levels will rise as a result of anaerobic respiration in the hypoperfused tissues that have inadequate levels of oxygen. A waste product of anaerobic respiration is lactate. Lactate is acidic, so this leads to a metabolic acidosis. Let's talk in more detail about septic shock. Septic shock is diagnosed when sepsis has led to cardiovascular dysfunction. The arterial blood pressure falls, resulting in organ hypoperfusion. This leads to a rise in blood lactate as the organs begin anaerobic respiration. Septic shock should be treated aggressively with IV fluids to improve the blood pressure and the tissue perfusion. If the IV fluid boluses fail to improve the blood pressure and the lactate level, Children should be escalated to the high dependency or the intensive care unit where medications called inotropes, such as noradrenaline, can be considered. 
These ionotropes are used to stimulate the cardiovascular system and improve blood pressure and tissue perfusion. Let's talk about the signs of sepsis. Don't underestimate observing the child from the end of the bed. Consider whether the child looks well or unwell. Hard signs to look out for that may indicate sepsis are deranged physical observations, prolonged capillary refill time or CRT, fever or hypothermia, deranged behaviour or confusion, poor feeding, inconsolable or high-pitched crying, a weak cry, reduced consciousness, reduced body tone, particularly floppy babies are very worrying, and skin colour changes such as cyanosis, mottled, pale or ashen skin. Shock involves circulatory collapse and hypoperfusion of organs. Look out for reduced blood pressure, a high heart rate and a prolonged capillary refill time as a sign of shock. Let's talk about risk assessment of children who present with potential sepsis. There are nice guidelines from 2019 that cover the assessment of children under 5 with a fever. They recommend using a traffic light system for the assessment of serious illness in these children. This characterises children as green meaning low risk, amber meaning intermediate risk or red meaning high risk. Read through the table in the NICE guidelines describing the features to familiarise yourself with the signs to look out for. Patients are categorised based on examination findings in various systems. We check the colour, looking for a normal colour versus cyanosis, mottled, pale or ashen skin. We look for the activity of the child. Are they a happy, active and responsive child or do they have abnormal responses? Are they drowsy or do they have an inconsolable cry? We look for the respiratory effort of the child. Do they have normal breathing or do they have respiratory distress, tachypnea or grunting? We look for the circulation and hydration of the child. Do they have normal skin and mucous membranes or do they have tachycardia, dry membranes and poor skin turga? And we look for other concerning signs such as fever for more than five days, non-blanching rashes, seizures or high temperatures in a child under six months of age. It's worth remembering that all infants under three months with a temperature of 38 degrees or above need to be treated urgently for sepsis until proven otherwise. This includes an emergency ambulance if it occurs in the community or in general practice. Where children are low risk and managed at home, parents need clear verbal and written safety net advice about when and how to seek further medical attention. Let's talk about the immediate management of sepsis. Sepsis is a medical emergency and needs to be managed urgently. Call a senior for help early for experienced support in managing these patients. Give oxygen if the patient has evidence of shock or oxygen desaturation with oxygen sats below 94%. Obtain IV access with cannulation. Do blood tests including a full blood count, use knees, CRP, clotting screen, which is the INR, and a blood gas for the lactate and to check for metabolic acidosis. Perform blood cultures, ideally before giving antibiotics. Perform a urine dipstick and a laboratory test for culture and sensitivities. 
give antibiotics according to local guidelines, and these need to be given within one hour of presentation in sepsis. And give IV fluids. Typically, a 20 mL per kilo IV bolus of normal saline is given if the lactate is above 2 mL per litre or there's evidence of shock. This IV fluid bolus may be repeated if required. Let's talk about further management of sepsis once the initial investigations and treatment have been started. Additional investigations may be performed depending on the suspected infection. And this could be a chest x-ray if pneumonia is suspected, an abdominal and pelvic ultrasound if intra-abdominal infection is suspected, a lumbar puncture if meningitis is suspected, a meningococcal PCR blood test if meningococcal disease is suspected, and a serum cortisol level if adrenal crisis is suspected. Continue antibiotics for 5-7 to seven days if a bacterial infection is suspected or confirmed. Alter the antibiotic choice and duration once a source of infection is found and an organism is isolated. Bacterial culture and sensitivities can be very helpful in guiding the antibiotic choice and duration. A microbiologist can provide advice on the choice and duration of antibiotics. Consider stopping antibiotics where there's a low suspicion of bacterial infection, the patient is well and the blood cultures and two CRP results are negative after 48 hours. Thanks for listening to this episode on paediatric sepsis. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast. If you found the podcast helpful and you want written notes on this topic and all the other topics, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Paediatrics book. You can also find full audiobook versions of the Zero to Finals books on Audible, which are available to download so that you can take all the topics with you wherever you go and listen to individual topics or listen to the books from cover to cover in preparation for your exams. You can also find notes, videos, illustrations and questions completely free on the Zero to Finals website at zerodefinals.com and I hope you join me for the next episode which will be about meningitis.